0: Yo, good looks to Dreadsock.com for sponsoring this episode of Real Notes. Anyone who has curly or locked hair like me knows how sacred a good hair wrap is. A do-rag, a wave cap, a scarf, a bandana, a bonnet, you name it. Dreadsock goes a step beyond the average with silk-based head wraps that offer full protection and frizz control for curls from 2A to 4C. They're made of a blend of breathable materials to help retain hair's moisture and preserve hairstyles enough to ensure a few less trips to the salon, all held down with an elastic band strong enough to withstand even the most aggressive head whether you wear one to bed or wear one on the go dread sock will have you looking fresh and full socks come in all sizes from shorties for short hair and beginner twists to extra large for the longer locked folks out there Look, y'all, I've been growing my locks for nearly two decades and have been a loyal Dreadsock customer for 15 years. So when I tell you these shits work, I'm dead ass. Plus, they're an independent, black-owned business that's worth the time and energy. So go to Dreadsock.com and use promo code CINEMASAI, that's C-I-N-E-M-A-S-A-I, for 10% off your first order. They won't fall off in your sleep, but they will keep you looking fresh. Thanks again to Dreadsock for sponsoring the episode. Now let's keep this shit moving. What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is Chicago rapper Sketch 185 about Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu's Bardo, they cloned Tyrone, his love for A League of Their Own, Juice, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, how his passion for drawing eventually mingled with his passion for rapping, a brief history of Chicago hip-hop and of the Tomorrow Kings collective, the benefits of regionalism and rap, his history with Backwoods, and the creative process behind his latest album, He Left Nothing for the Swim back, produced entirely by Jeff Markey. Come fuck with it what's cracking everybody welcome back to real notes i'm in the middle of bryant park right now uh it's the first time i'm recording on my computer in like the outdoors it's very weird um life's busy you know gotta stay ready so you don't gotta get ready etc 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 um Dylan green cinema got a lot of names do a lot of shit uh be around my computer keyboards get wet but we'll figure it out um but we got somebody with me well we got somebody with us today who also is um he has he doesn't have very many names but he does a lot of shit and he has done a lot of shit for um for a good hot minute he's uh going through an incredible he's going through an incredible uh second wind right now that i've been very uh, that we've all been very blessed and fortunate to see happen um chicago chicago rap legend bartender um potential Gattaca fan but we'll get into that later um sketch one sketch 185 is in the building with us today um he left nothing for the swim back has been out for um, a good minute. Um, I've been, I've, I've, I've really been swimming with this for a long time. It's really dope. Um, all right, all right. Sketch. Thank you so much for being here, bro. It really means a lot.
1: Oh yeah, thanks for having me. I'm like, um, you know, I've been checking out what you're doing, and I, and it's dope. And thank you for all the support, also, man. You know, it feels it feels good to be here. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, I'm happy to hear that. Nah, like you, you, you already know what it is. Like I've been a fan of yours for a long time and just like see and like I said just now like just like seeing you seeing you get all this uh like long overdue praise has been gorgeous to me so like I'm, I'm just like it's, it's 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 my honor and my pleasure to have you here today um right, thank you yeah no nah, absolutely um yeah this is it's just like I feel I feel like uh I feel like you've been I feel like you've been on a tear and there's even more to come but before we get to all of that um let me ask you the first question I ask everybody who comes on here What was uh? What was the last movie or TV show you watched that you had a strong opinion about?
1: Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Like it's um, I think honestly the last last one that really really hit me was um, Bardo. Like I've seen a lot of movies for Bardo B A R D O. It's by um, Mm -hmm. believe Inuritsu is the last name, but try to remember full name. I know the movie you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but yeah, its a uh, full name is Bardo. Um, like I've seen plenty since, but that was the one that stuck. Bardo: False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Yeah, and it was written by Alejandro Gonzalez mhm
0: So, where'd you um, where'd you watch it? How'd you watch it?
1: And how'd you like it? Okay, so I'm so I'm going to forget the theater. I apologize. It's a small it's a small it's a small theater uh on the lower east side. Me and my lady actually went to the wrong theater uh at first cuz <laughs> I didn't check the address. I had to power walk and and we got there right before the movie started. And it was cool like I thought it was initially I thought it was too long cuz it's around 3 hours. And then when you realize towards the end what it is, then you understand how long it is. Admit it, like the director uh, edited his own movie, and that yeah. shouldn't have been the case. So there are scenes that upon reflection seem just overly masturbatory in regards for like, just the type of thing people do when they want to exercise their genius but don't realize part of genius is restraint. Feel you. but But the whole movie is supposed to take place in a person's personal history within dream space. So it's, it's taking place as a person is dreaming, but it's somebody going through their life and the way that you sequence things in your dreams, which explains, which explains why, why on time moves so, move so oddly. And, you know, and, and it was, and it was cool. Like it, like it started to, you know, like being a brother, like in 2023, there are all types of like con you know conversation about Americanness and blackness and so on and so forth. This movie, on the other hand, is about a documentarian from Mexico City who through his art moved to Mex- uh, the United States. Yeah, like he was able to get a sponsored to get citizenship. Decades later, he's an award-winning um filmmaker and he goes back to his hometown and they're awarded him a medal, but he's also coming in contact with all of the people that he stopped working with and lost contact with in pursuit of his dream. But also, you know, but with that, people start to question his true connection to his culture and whether it's being used as a tool for his artistic vision, or whether he truly understands, you know, his his own people. And a journey. And a lot of stuff goes into that. But like you have all of that going on with his wife and children and so on and so forth. And it's all happening in his brain. And the movie's been out long enough. It's been it happened like it's happening after something tra something medical happens. And now he's reliving his life in the order that you live it in a dream. And like seeing all those elements kind of, you know, it stuck with me. Stuck with me more than a lot of movies that I've
0: recently. Wow, that's like, so you know, like I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but I'm a fan of Iñárritu's, Uh Sometimes he's 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 one of right. them that like his movies are really really hit or miss to me. Once again, like you said, like you know, very 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 masturbatory, very like oh look at how look look at how slick I am, you know, like that's kind of how I felt about Birdman. I don't know if you saw yeah. Birdman. I saw a piece um, of Birdman. like like, like you know like it, it was like I was really impressed with like. The technical and acting aspects of it, but it's just really like you—you you hit it on the head. But just like, yeah, you could tell that he's really—you could tell he's really feeling himself, and it's just like, look what I could do, and like, yeah, look what, look what I can do, and you can, you know, yeah, and <laughs> and you that know, could,
1: it, yeah, no, you're right. And it, made it yeah. coming coming from like living within hip hop, and the idea of flexing style is always important, but you of also course. have you have to know how to handle it. So you know, I'm looking at his uh, his filmography now. Like 21 grams work. 21 grams is amazing. Beautiful is so one of my favorite movies. And there's a there's a high level of restraint in it, but there's just things that like you know he weaves in so you don't fully understand to the end, which I do love. Right. And it isn't necessarily an aha moment. And this movie is cool because like it um it approaches something that the other ones don't. And you know, I'm you know, I don't know much about the man's life. So I'm not sure I don't know how much of this is autobiographical, but it is based on a Mexican filmmaker. He is a Mexican filmmaker. So it might be him doing journaling on screen for us. You know. And you know that that makes it pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, no, like I um um I didn't know it was playing anywhere. And I and, and I, I mean, like I had heard about it, but I like I haven't I've been I just have I just haven't been super tapped into it. But, like, just, like, like just off your description, it reminded me, you ever seen Enter the Void before? Uh, Gaspar No Way's Enter the Void? Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, like, that's, like, that's slightly different because, like, that's, like, him on a DMT, or or at least it starts with him on a DMT trip. And then he gets killed. And And then he just kind of floats and, yeah. Yeah, he just kind of, like, relives his whole life type shit. Like, it's, it's, you know, like, it sounds different and a little more, like, grounded and maybe less, like, fantastical and crazy than that. But, like, I'm just, I'm just, like, always intrigued by movies that, like, take place in somebody's brain. Like, whether or not it's, like, a thing you know up front or if you find out later. Like, just, like, the way that, like, human beings process anything. Like, memories, life, and just, like, you know, just like that. Like, it's, it, like it's so insular by design. And, like, it's something that's so intimate. Like, like, like it couldn't be more intimate. Like, it's something that's yeah. taking place in someone's head. But, like, you're giving it to people. It's weird. Like, it, it's, it, it, it really gets me thinking about, like, the relationship between, like, art and just, like, sharing art and, like, what it means to share art. I, I don't know. Like, it's... No, 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 it, I follow up. It's...
1: Follow up. <laughs> no, I definitely follow. Like, even, like, hear you speak about it. It's like, when you're, you know, I remember somebody telling me when you're in, in your dream, even if you're talking to your parents, you're just talking to your idea of your parents. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? especially if they're still alive, you know, across across the city or whatever. But everybody who was criticizing him was technically a voice within him. Mm. You know, when you think about, you know, when you consider that. So, you know, so where their dialogue begins and where his internal dialogue, where their dialogue ends and his internal dialogue begins, you don't really get to see. Especially when you realize it's a dream. You know, so, you know, you know. It's, it's kind of, you know, kind of trippy because, like, he does deal with what it is to be, you know, what the psyche of dual citizenship is for right. people, you know. That's hard. Yeah. And he has kids. So he he's dealing with his kids' identities as Mexican, but being in America and them having a poetic look at Mexico in the way that he does it, and he has a romantic look at Mexico in the way that they can't. You know, you know, cause one loves it because they one has a love for it because they are from there, and one loves it because they've always heard about it. Right. Yeah. And that leads to conversations too.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. Nah,
0: I need to see this now. I'm 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 ready. You 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 sold it for me.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny part is like like I believe like Bardo is a spiritual space, according to Hindu religion, if I'm not mistaken. I think. I I honestly don't know. Uh, reason being me and Primrock, who has a song featuring uh, produced by Evidence, named Bardo, we had a conversation about it. That's you hard. know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just talking about it because it was a Netflix movie, so it was in the theater long enough for it to get Oscar dominant Oscar to be Oscar worthy. Right, right. It's right. like after two weeks, it was just on Netflix. Because in the beginning it says a Netflix feature film. Mm-hmm but they need to be in the theater for so many days in order to be up for an Academy Award. Yeah, I think it's like a week, I think it's the yeah. requirement.
0: Like, it has to play in a theater in Los Angeles or New York for like a week for it to be considered <laughs> for nominations. It's it's, it's it's a stupid technicality, but you know, like,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's it stupid. means like they can put, it, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. It's, it's people, it's an older system not knowing how to work with the new models that they didn't create. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 strange. But like, you know, hearing hearing you hearing you talk more about Bardo, um, before um before we move on, uh I just I just watched They clone Tyrone for the first time last night. I don't know if you've seen they clone Tyrone.
1: I gotta yeah. finish like I fell asleep on the end. It was an interest it was an interesting movie. I just happened to be tired. I feel you.
0: Yeah. And, you yeah, know, I was watching it with my sister last night and my sister was like, yeah, no, I couldn't make it. The I like fell asleep like 45 minutes in. So like it was me, my sister and my dad and we all watched it together at like, I mean, like I had never seen any of it. I think he saw like 70% of it. My sister saw like 40% of it and I had seen nothing. So we all just kind of watched it front to back together. And it was, um, and it was a ton of fun, but like, it's just, uh, just, you know, just like the ideas of like identity and like place were really uh I mean like it's 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 obviously not the same because um like you know like they clone Tyrone is way more it, I mean I mean they're both pretty high concept but like this one's yeah. like kind of like zany and goofy and just like about somebody who's like realizing that they're a clone and that their life's not their own and that like they've lived it a thousand times already like yeah. I kind of feel like the ending like I don't want to spoil the ending but the ending kind of got a bit unwieldy like I think the first like 70% of the movie was really, really dope, really fun. Like the performances are all great. It looks gorgeous. Like the reveal in the middle is cool, but like, I feel like they just didn't know they didn't know how to stick the landing on it. Like, cause like, okay. watching the ending. It, it like, to me, the whole thing felt like they just made, they live blaxploitation edition, which is yeah. perfectly cool. Cause like, I love they live and I love blaxploitation movies. So like, it was cool to see that it was cool to see them play that note. Cause like it's, it's, but like, but just kind of um, um, but to not get too far away from the point of like, you know, it's like dealing, j- just like dealing with identity and just like understanding what it means to like be from somewhere and like to inhabit like the place that you live in. And like, regardless of where you're at, I think, I think both Bardo and they clone Tyrone kind of, they speak to that in two different ways. Like there's a, there's a whole monologue that happens at the end of, at the, at the end of they clone Tyrone that I won't spoil for you. Um, Maybe we'll talk about it later, but like, yeah, it, it's, it's like it's intense but also just like you just look at the dude and you're like what like that's why you did this it it was kind of dumb
1: okay um, okay like you know i gotta ask because of where i was in the movie did they ever did they ever explain where the movie was actually being filmed like where what was the actual location or is that just a part of the point
0: it's just part of the point i guess you know like it's, it's weird because they bring up they bring up a bunch of other places like i mean, like they talk about Chicago and Los Angeles and Detroit yeah. but like you never find out where the glen is the glen is just the yeah. glen you know yeah, which is which is, you know like
1: I yeah. no, no you're right. you're right it's like you know that was the one thing i was like cool i want to see how this comes together you know because like i was like okay it's every black exploitation it's every piece of slang cuz the movie starts with them saying own god and as far as I know, that was some Chicago shit. So when I heard it, I was just like, I was like, okay, cool, that gives me a clue. Then they start saying other stuff. I'm like, okay, this is okay, this is this is blackness by way of Google search. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. I felt the, I felt the I felt the exact same way.
1: <laughs> so I was just like, okay, cool. But then again, a modern black exploitation movie, cool, but somebody not of the culture trying to figure out how to explain the culture. I guess that would be the way you get it. You know, which is even if it was a black name, cr- it
0: just right? You know, I, yeah, I know. I was gonna say, like, real Taylor, I didn't know anything about him. I think this is his first movie ever. They like broke the yeah. script back in 2018, and like, yeah, you know, like, I was just thinking to myself, like, it really felt like, like, it felt like they were trying to force so many like phrases and buzzwords. And like, I get that that's like, it, it's like a part of the black exploitation thing. Like, it, yeah. it's, there's like a, there, there's like a, there's like a sense of like, there's a sense of like forcedness that comes with every black exploitation movie that's just going to be there no matter what so like he yeah. gets a little wiggle room there but like it was it was just interesting to hear like just like the way they would cuz like there was another point where like you don't know what time period it takes place in either cuz like one well, of them has a Motorola Razor flip phone um Jamie Foxx makes a reference to like somebody getting 50 cented so i'm like okay so it's so like we're at least somewhere in like the in like yeah. the early to mid maybe even like late 2000s you know like maybe yeah because like because i because i realized after i saw the movie nobody had a smartphone like there was one yeah. dude who was on the landline at the end when they were in the bunk well you didn't see that part but you, you'll see yeah. but like yeah it, it was there were a lot of really cool ideas there and uh you know like once again like looks great sounds great really well acted great yeah. score um super duper dope soundtrack but um yeah no nah, i mean like yeah but like bardo I'm just really like once I watch Bardo, I'm gonna be really interested to see if I can like. I I, I just want to see if that whole identity and just like sense of place thing holds up because there's like an element of that to they call see you'll see later
1: overlaps. Oh, you you'll definitely see overlaps. and I don't know if we can move forward. It's just for example, same way to Glenn is if you haven't walked to Mexico City, which I have not. There's there for me it was a a level of um, not knowing where this was. So wasn't mm. somebody said, "This is this," that I go, "Okay, th- we we are a- actually placed on a map." So there's a certain level of it could be anywhere, but you just know that it's not where you are right then. Right. You know? And you know, like I, I yeah. yeah, but we can keep going on and on with it because, like this, because you know, there's so many threads that just come from from that.
0: You know, yeah, no, nah, totally. Like I I'm I'm just always like interested in stuff like that. because It's like really disorienting, you know, but like I like I like being disoriented when watching a movie as long as it like does what it needs to do. But um, you know, like for you, let's run it back. Let's run it back a little bit. When was okay, um yeah. what's the what's the first movie experience you can remember having? Um it could be at the theater, it could be at your cousin's house. The the first oh, thing man. that comes to mind for you. Oh shit,
1: that's that's tough. Like one of the the earliest movie I can really think of, uh, seen in the theater, might be the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Hey, what a time! Because <laughs> no, now I'm now, now I gotta really look up when that came out because there have been so that many. That might movies. have been,
0: yeah, nah. I just saw the new one last week, it was really good, but um, I think the first one came out in. Like the late eighties, maybe late, maybe
1: nineteen ninety. I believe it was late eighties. Uh, it was nineteen ninety. Okay. So that so that's a that's a weird memory because like, uh, so, um, reason being like that would have been, yeah, nineteen ninety. Okay, so I would have saw it like night that year right after I moved back from California because I moved from Chicago mm-hmm. to. California for like a year or so from like 89 to like 90 or so like that um and that would have probably been one of the first movies we saw when I got back so I'm so bear in mind I'm five years old so like I remember it because like one of the first movies I saw you know other than that it would have been like seeing the Care Bears on television or the last dragon on VHS but first theater memory. Would have been uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles.
0: Yeah. So do, do you do you remember? Do you remember if you liked the movie? Like, what was I, it?
1: Uh, I, I have a, a ninja turtles poster on my wall. Before I moved to California, uh, my parents had given me all ninja turtle, all the ninja turtles characters action figures, including the right. old box, spider with the boxing gloves action figure. Uh, wow. Back then. <laughs> You know, like and you know, to this day, it usually happens when I go visit my family. I'll channel surf. And if there's anything ninja turtles related on, if I don't have plans, I'll stop what I'm doing and watch it from wherever it is to then. It's it's just one of those things, you know.
0: I love that. That's 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 that that that's so precious. Like I um uh I went to Target, I want to say like maybe about two or three weeks ago. And I just like, cause like I grew up liking the Ninja Turtles. I wasn't like, like I wasn't like super duper in love with them, but like I liked their – um. They had like a fox cartoon at one point. I really liked yeah. that a ton. Um, and you know, and and just like the old aesthetic and just like the games. They had a bunch of games at that point. Yes. Like I'd Turtles in Time. Yeah. So you know, like, but but like I went to Target and I realized, cause like the only villains I knew were Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, Krang, and that's based and that's basically yeah. it. you know, like I just learned that they like. I learned, like, who, like, Genghis Frog was because they had, like, a Genghis yeah. Frog figure and, like, the spider with yeah, the yeah. boxing gloves and, like, you know, like, just, like, you know, like, like, I'm not super invested in Turtles lore, which is yeah. weird because, like, I have, like, I have, like, a big compendium of, like, the Greg Eastman comics that I think yeah. I read, like, once as a kid and, like, but, like, but, like like knowing all of that, like, going and watching um the new one, uh, Mayhem that just came out is, A, oh, hey, it's really dope. Big. I really it's it's if if you like the ninja turtles it's it's like they leaned they leaned so much into the uh they leaned more into the teenage aspect of the teenage mutant ninja turtles than they ever have but they actually like felt like kids and that was pretty cool to see like they felt like these like 15 16 year olds who like their whole thing is like they really want to go to high school they want to like have normal lives get girlfriends fail at tests go to prom all that shit and like you know, like, I had never seen that version of the Ninja Turtles before, so I thought that was like a really smart choice for them to just, like, really lean into that, because it because like, it makes it different from every other iteration, which I yeah. love. Um, but, like, there's also nothing like the original like Jim Henson bodysuit Ninja Turtles yeah. with them, like, um, with them, like, poking their heads in and out the shells, and like, it's yeah. just yeah. It's such a good movie, bro. <laughs> like,
1: and I thought it was, You know, I love it. And admitted, like, I'm not a purist boy some some of my friends are. I know one of my boys is going to feel attacked, but it's but, like, because I, I enjoyed when CG got added, because I get it. There's a short man doing martial arts in a rubber ninja so, ninja turtle suit. That is cool. But if I could get a creature that way never, ever exist to do three backflips in the air before landing on the car, I'll take it. I'll that's take fine. it. I'm with Even, that if, too. A, even <laughs> if a man in a rubber suit can't do it. I'm, I'm good. Like, that's dope. And the new one, I heard all the voices of the turtles were played by teenagers played by 50 year olds, 50, 60 year olds. Yeah. And that's cool. You know, that's dope. You know, it's, you know, it's, you know, that's one of, that's probably my earliest memory. Uh, Second to that would have probably been remembering would have been seeing a league of their own. Mm. Like I saw movies in between, like I think backdrivers in between, like, you know, my father had my mom, you know, my parents collectively have four kids. My mom has three with my father. My father has uh, us three and my half-brother. We're five months Mm -hmm. apart. You know, with that said, one of the cheapest places to take all the kids was the Mm drive-thru. So with that, we went to the drive-thru a lot. And we'd go to the theater a lot. You know, know, get pizza when you come back or White Castle, whatever. So we went to a lot of movies uh, growing up. And I forget what we went to see, and it sucked. And my father just turned to my older sister, like, you want to get out of here? She's like, yeah, this is bad, dude. And me, my older (laughs) sister, my little sister, my father, because my mom's at work, all sneak out and go into the next movie theater. And I'm a kid. I'm like, this is wrong. And they're like, shut up. We go in and we get to a league of their own right after it started. Like, like, now that I've seen the movie a lot, because it's one of my favorites, like three minutes after it started. And watch the movie from that point on, you know. And that was probably one of the first times I could think of a movie hitting me on a emotional level, intellectual emotional level, because I'm seven years old watching this. You know? Right? Yeah. No.
0: so yeah, like talk to, talk to me about that because like I was I was just thinking about a League of Their Own recently because um I started watching the I started watching the Prime series they had the. Okay. I think they just canceled it. Unfortunately, they, it only ran for a season. But like, it was really good. And like, I've seen A League of Their Own, and it's a really great movie. But like, what um, what was it about? What was it about the movie that hit you like so so hard in the chest? That because like that is a
1: really powerful movie. I mean, it was pro- it's you know the element of family. Um, it's in Illinois, and it's a part of Illinois I that am. I didn't know about at all. Like, it's in Rockford. I have friends from Rockford now. Uh, to add context, Virgil Abloh's from Rockford, right? You know what I'm saying? And like my boy Mediocre and some of his homies and all that. So, and you know, and it was a part of American history because I I love history. should read more about it, but history's a thing for me, and it's a part of American history I knew nothing about. And I'm seven years old. I haven't went through a, a strong history class yet, but like you know, it was it was one of those moments where like my need for knowledge and constantly absorbing new knowledge, got satisfied with something. Madonna was hot. Um, Like, just the, the setting, the time and place, the acting, it was, you know, like my first time, like really paying attention to witty rhetoric, like witty banter in a film and just stuff like that. And, you know, like my father, my father's big into baseball. We went to baseball games growing up, you know, always had a catcher's mitt. You know, he played catcher, me, my brother, my sister. And then, you know, baseball was a thing in the house. So, you know, watching a movie about baseball with my father was was really cool. You know, so you get things like that. And over the years, you know, it's one of those movies that when you're that young, the older you get, the more the jokes work, the more things start to make sense. So because I saw it so young, it's a movie that, it's a movie that I that didn't grow with me but you know revealed itself more every right. five ten years yeah. yeah you yeah,
0: know yeah. you grew with the movie definitely exactly definitely.
1: now I'm at the age I'm at the age of a retired baseball player so when you think about a character like Jimmy Dugan and stuff like that like I see how things like that end up like that you know end up that way right you yeah. know now I
0: Right. You know, I I. I um. I haven't seen the movie in years, so I forgot that it, like, took place in Illinois. And, um, you know, just, like, revisiting, revisiting, like, my faded memories of it through the show was, you know, just, like, on top of everything you just said, um, it was just really dope to just see the story of, like, all these women forming a baseball team because, yeah. like, all the men were gone. And, like, they just, like, you know, just... Obviously, there's a lot of uh, you know, you know, like there's just like a lot of commentary on like sexism and absolutely. Just, like, they just, they just like, they just did it in a really smart and fun and just like cool way that I think, uh, I think it holds up really well. Like I've been meaning to like actually rewatch the movie, um, because it, because, could, could, because yeah, it's definitely been a while. But like that was also one of the first because Gina Davis is in a league of their own, right? She's the star, right? She's of course the star, the, star. Of the movie. That might have been that. That was like at the very least one of the first things I'd ever seen her in because it was either it was either that Beetlejuice or she was the mom in Stuart Little, and Stuart no. Little was a movie I saw a lot as a kid. So like that was a uh, th- that was like one of the first three times I'd ever seen her. But she just she just killed it, you know. Like the whole yeah. the, the whole movie's great, and I want to rewatch it again.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it was cool, like you know, and I'm searching for a better word for it. And because I can't find it, I'm going to just let people um, shit on me for saying it. It made commentary, but it wasn't heavy handed at its point. Like it said, it said what it need to be say, said, but it was also said, it was also written and directed by people who grew up with this memory. Or interviewed the people like almost everybody who was uh, still alive was in the movie later. So there, you know, there's a certain level, there's a level of authenticity, there's a level of character to it, but it doesn't come off as a PSA for idealism the way some movies do later, you know, for later generations. And, you know, you know, know, that's another thing that I realized the older I get watching it, you know, like there's something about making your point without having to get on your soapbox, you can that's okay, too. But when you're going to make your point in a way where you say everything that needs to be said, you know, when it's the type of point where you don't need to be in a person's face, because some shit you do. But their story stories like, yo, we we wouldn't have been able to do this otherwise. No, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do this otherwise. Hell, there weren't any black women in there. But wouldn't have been able to do this otherwise. And when the men came home, you were supposed to be grateful that you had a chance to do it. In opposed to, in opposed to, like them going. Now that you have done it, here's your lane, you know. And seeing that, you know, immediately women fought and said, "No, you're not going to get us to go back to being in a house after we've been in a factory. You're not going to get us to be happy waiting for a man to come home every night after we've traveled the country, you know." And and you know that's that's really cool. And like the part when in the juke joint. And like, ladies are getting all out of sorts because they're dancing with black men. It's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It is. It is. It is pretty funny. And just like, yeah, no, it's it's like A League of Their Own is definitely not the type of movie that's like, you know, like it's not like grabbing you by the cheeks and like shaking you to be like, this is what you know, like it's not like a like, 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 like the one person who always comes to mind for me with that is like Spike Lee, you know, like, because like all of his movies are that like every single Spike Lee movie is like, this is what I'm trying to tell you, like, wait yeah. the fuck type shit. And, yeah, you know, yeah. like not every movie, not every movie needs to be wake the fuck up. It could just be yeah. like, like, like you said, like, there's definitely a level of um, authenticity and just like, a, and just like a, like, it feels lived in. That's it. Like, it, yes. like it, it, like it feels, a it feels like out. a real, it, it feels like a real world and not just like a bunch of characters were in it. It feels like somebody lived that experience, wrote it down. Yeah. Was like, here we go.
1: You, you know? can, like, you can uh, smell the field that they're playing in. Right. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, like, and and and, you know like to me, like, like you know like I love a I love a movie that's like blatant and direct as much as the next dude, but like I love it. I love it when people can like make, like I'm a I'm a big fan of saying it without saying it. You know, like just it's 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 almost like a different form of wordplay to me. You know, where it's like you can like get your point across without having to be like this is the point I'm trying to make. You know, like you don't always want that, and it's not always necessary. You know,
1: absolutely. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so you actually so, so you actually answered my you answered my next question before i even got to ask it so um so before so before we move to the synthesis into like a um you know like your career in the album like what um when did music i mean like i feel like music's i always have a difficult time asking this question because like what? it's not about like when when did music come into your life but like when did music become when did you have that same emotional response to music? Like, When did it become capital M
1: music to you? Okay, so, so the easiest way of putting it, the two things that have always been in my life, art, visual art. I went to school for art. I got my degree. I got my BFA illustration. So comic books illustration, as I would learn it was called later, and music with like the third being Troublesome relationships with women, you know, I blame myself for mo- almost all of them, and and martial arts things, though I never, you know, only went to a few martial arts classes. You know, I'm of that age where martial arts movies were just prevalent, you know. So with that, like, my earliest memories, some of my earliest memories were of were rap, uh, and my earliest music memories are rap, flat out. Like, some people say Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. No. My earliest right. members a Special Ed and Kumo D. And, you know, like, my cut. you know, I had a cousin who was a well-known graffiti writer back in the city. I got a, our older cousin, God rest his soul, used to, uh, you know, record every music video on VHS. And when we had family get-togethers, he would just throw the VHS on while we're eating dinner and, you know, like, eating pizza, or whatever, and so on and That's so hard. forth. So you so you <laughs> got that you got that going on. And, you know, like, I think, first, damn near, first time I heard rap, I tried to imitate it. First time, you know, first time I tried to freestyle probably was first grade. And I used to say, you know, just be saying shit, you know, rhyming to myself. And second grade, one of the teachers said to like, Stop rapping to yourself. And I was just like, like, kind of embarrassed. And you know, and keep in mind that, like, you know, rap was still, you know, like, it was popular, super popular, but it's not popular the way it is now. You know what I'm right. saying? And being a rapper, then you know that was like being the really good guitar player. Everybody, every, like, you always have people that try the rap because it's 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 something that you do with your friends. You talk shit. Rap means talk. When I talked to my grandmother, God rest her soul, when she asked me about my friends, I would go, I was just rapping with them the other day. Because you know, that's just old, that's just old slang. So it's something that was just kind of always there, but like um by the time I was in third grade, I was freestyling to myself. My older sister would catch me and she told me to get in the talent show, I was too scared. Uh would freestyle for like kids in the neighborhood. Um, you know, we're part of like a failed attempt at redoing Joyful Joyful on stage, like the next, you know, in '95. And you know, like just just watching all the movies, you know, like by 91 I already had kind of a bug for it. By 93, I knew it was gonna be around for a while. What whatever year juice came out, and it wasn't necessarily juice itself, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, I wasn't mystified by Tupac. My asshole with a gun didn't do anything for me. You know what I'm saying? But the DJ battle and when it ended, it knows the ledge came on. Because I believe that's how it ends. Or is it? Yeah. no, no, no. no, no. Or does it you end mean, with Uptown anthem? You mean you mean the you mean the DJ anthem or the
0: actual movie itself?
1: Uh, uh just um. Uh, uh, does it end with Uptown Anthem or does it end with Nose the Ledge?
0: I'm so mad I can't remember right now. I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a bad cinephile. I can't remember. <laughs>
1: uh I mean I'm like oh. as we're talking because I have my phone right here. I am looking.
0: Yeah, no, nah, cause
1: yep. cause like yeah, no nah, no. Nah. What were you gonna say? I just wanted to uh oh, man. You got to love it. As soon as I look that up, Juice World comes up. Never mind. But either way it goes, it was hearing hearing Nose the Ledge and um, Uptown Anthem in those movies. Like, those kind of did something, you know? You know, because it's funny, because like a lot of the... Because I believe Juice what? 92, 93?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, because that was... Like, that in itself, like... That was when music really, really took hold of me. You know, I didn't start writing rhymes. Um, uh, and I didn't start writing rhymes properly to 13, but I'd been freestyling to myself and looking at stuff and analyzing since then. So like it was the only thing I did more, only thing I spent more time on than rap was drawing. You know, to answer your question in a roundabout way. But 93 was probably the year everything kind of kind of changed in a lot of respects.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I can imagine. Um, You know, I was, uh, you you know, (laughs) not to not to not to date things too crazy, but I was uh, one years old when Juice came out. Okay. Okay. You know, like that was, uh, you know, like going back and re-watching Juice and just kind of like taking that, in, taking in a lot of those like early, um, late eighties, early nineties movies like Fresh Groove and um, yeah. Why am I forgetting the name of the graffiti movie, Star Wars, and oh, yeah. you know, just like stuff like that? You know, like like you said, just like seeing seeing that rap was really popular and that like in then, then, then that like hip hop culture was a thing that was like established and popular but still growing is yeah. like it's 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 like wild to look back and cause you know, like by the time you're like around the time that I started realizing that rap was like a thing that I knew I was like loving and appreciating and I was going to be here forever. I was like yeah. nine, ten years old. And at yeah. that point, you know, like, that's like, that's like when my like bowels be where a dog came out. So like rap's already like up there, you know, yeah. but like, but like juices, you know, like on top of being a great movie, Juice is also, like, a really beautiful timestamp of, like, that moment when, um, like, like when people really started to take hip-hop culture seriously because of, because, you know, like, could because, because somebody like Ernest Dickerson could, like, put a movie like Juice together or, like, yeah. somebody like Tupac could bring Bishop to life the way that he brought Bishop to life. And then on top yeah. of that, um, uh, one of, <laughs> I don't hey, think I've Omar ever said that Epps,
1: before, before. Yeah, Omar yeah Epps Epps no, like, I'm playing, playing Epps, you know, too. DJ GQ, like, I don't know. I, I don't I took further notice and the funny part is Jeff Markey uh uh hit me up while we were talking. Uh, he's probably going to the event. But um I don't know if there was um another um movie that depicted a DJ battle as one of as like one of the main conflicts or main like elements on it on it and you know like that's so important to hip-hop hell that's so important to so western culture in the last 50 years to you know actually like see you know a dj battle and it's unapologetic like it was even if it was fictionalized in certain ways it was a culture at a time when and this it was a culture at a time in which they were doing what they were doing, regardless of how many prime eyes saw them doing it. Because you know, you want to make your money off a DJ battle, but you, you know, but it was but it was made for the people involved in it. You know, and that's and that's a you know, that's a crazy thing, right? You know, that's a crazy thing considering, you know, in terms of hip hop now, but like seeing that DJ battle, like the intensity of it. I loved it. No, I didn't realize then that I would be in battle rap tournaments uh, quite a few times in my future. But the intensity of that and like watching them do shit that I didn't know what juggling was at the time. But seeing the crowd go crazy over it and seeing like rooms practicing, you know, practicing, having to pull the headphones off because dinner's ready. And shit like yeah. that, like that's a very particular time stamp, you know. That you know, I don't, it does it doesn't quite exist that way anymore,
0: you know. Right, yeah. And nah. once again, you know, like it's it's like it's like very lived in, and it's just like you know, like somebody somebody had that experience, yeah. you know, and like it was at a, and like it was at a time when that was becoming more widespread, and it yeah. was just yeah. like, oh, you know, like you know, like I, uh, you know, like I I didn't like. I mean like I've been around DJs. Like my dad's my dad's been in music on some level for a really oh, long hurt. time. He was a you know, he was a doo wop singer and a roller skater. And like, so, like I was around I was around music a lot coming up and just like you like one of um I'm one of his best friends, rest in peace to Julio, who you know he passed away quite some time ago. But like one of his best friends was a DJ. So like I was around okay. DJ equipment and just you know, like I never did it myself, but just like I can imagine being in that position. And just like seeing something that like you may have already, you know, like known or understood and just being like, damn, like, like it's a, it's it's, it's a, it, like it's about representation, but not in like a chintzy like, oh, like this is cool because the person just so happens to look like me. It, it, it's like an authentic kind of like I feel like I feel seen." you know, it's, it's not like being like it's the difference between being represented and being seen, you know.
1: And, and, and here's a, here's an important thing to me. Hip-hop comes from Black culture, comes from Black and Latino culture. But hip-hop does not mean Black. It's Black culture, but it does not mean it's something that every Black person knows instinctually. Same with jazz and R&B. reason being, me being a young motherfucker from Chicago, no matter what my older cousins, who's nine years older than me, know and all that, Me, going in, I think we might have saw it in a theater, or we saw it at my auntie Rachel's house. Either way I go, like, I forget what was around except for the screen when watching it. And, but seeing that event, it showed me a world that I didn't exist in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Like, sorry,
0: I I just Sorry, I just got a phone call in the middle of
1: that. <laughs> oh, I understand that. I, I just dealt with the same a second ago. But yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it puts you in a world. The only reason I say all that is that, like, I saw the DJ battle and realized that wasn't my reality. That was not my world at the time. That was not my culture. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I, I got into it later, but that was fine. But it was like, this wasn't something that I instinctually knew all oh, day. Oh, this is this. This is this. This is this, and that was that was incredible. That was you know, like that. And like is like seeing that or the MC battle that started Rhyme and Reason the documentary. You know what I'm saying? When I saw that, it was at somebody's apartment. I was just like, I I literally jumped up and said, "What was that?" And I think my sister somebody was like, "That's a rap battle." i was like, you, you know, you get things like that. that like you know. Over, the, over that course and all of that happened before it started before I saw a rapper with a notebook <laughs> and like uh, I heard uh, Dave from Trugoy from De La Soul talking about how he only uh, uh, writes with black ink and things like that on page and you know what I'm saying like it was years before that you know but you know I know we got to move forward
0: no 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 you're good like this is all like you know like it was new you know like it was new and it wasn't necessarily something that you were steeped in yet but you know like obviously you're here now and you've been here for a while and and i love it
1: i love it you know
0: right yeah of course no i i i would i would i would expect nothing less from somebody like we're gonna get into it later but like just considering how urgent he left oh, nothing you for the know, swim back is like, yeah. you can't not love this shit. If you're not if you're rapping yes. the way you are over the beats you do. But before we get to that project, yes. um, when did you, so like, so you so know, you're talking about just like that, not necessarily being what you were steeped in at that time, but like recognizing and being like energized by like the DJ battles of juice and the rap battles and Robin reason. So like, when did you, when did you first know that, when did you first know that music was going to be more than just a hobby, or like a thing that you'd see on the screen and be like, "Oh, it's coming," you know.
1: I mean, like, and and keep in mind, after Juice came out, like the year later, a year or two later, I end up hanging out with my older cousin, walking around with him on the way to a writer's meet, and seeing him and his boys do graffiti as we're walking, like they're just busting tags. So right. now I start seeing all the writing that's all over Juice, and I'm starting to realize that, like, that's a part of this. That is a part of the city I'm from. I'm just too young to know it at the time. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, like, you know, we mess around with rapping. And, you know, I try to rap with my friends in the neighborhood. And, you know, they weren't serious about it, but they were happy to see me do it. I went to high school and I met my boy, Suni. And Sunny's from High Park. High Park's the neighborhood uh, Obama uh, lives in. It's where Vic Mensah's from. Is where Bob's from, is where the University of Chicago's at. You know, well, he no, he's from Bronzeville like me. He went to elementary school in Hyde Park, which is the next neighborhood um, southeast. And with that, like, there are record stores over there, and it's a big meeting spot for, like, jazz cats and for hip-hop heads, depending, you know. So, you know, we're rapping outside of our high school downtown. But then we're heading getting on the bus and heading to High Park to buy records. So it's the it's like age 14, where me and him both get dissed in a cipher and leave with our tails tucked between the legs and return over and over and over and over and get dissed and come back and get dissed and come back and practice freestyling on the way back, then freestyling on the phone with uh And, like, doing that and coming back and battling and finally get those guys respect, then going to Columbia College, which is a block away from my high school, because I went to high school downtown, and battling those guys. And all of that process started at age 14. Like, when I started battling on the street, you know, started, you know, cats trying to sun me, me learning how to fire back, me um, going to other neighborhoods to buy records. My boy Sasha, one of my oldest friends now, you know, finding out that we rap, it was like, I got turntables. And he became my first DJ. Cause he, cause his older sister is a graffiti writer. And her close friend is graffiti legend, uh, Raven SB, who's one of the from one of the legendary rap groups of, rap groups of Chicago. And he's already entrenched in that because of his older sister. And we're now freestyling over turntables at age 14. And he lives on the other side of the city. So we're traveling on the other side of the city, you know, listening to our CD players, you know, and the music we got like on the way there and things like that. And that all starts freshman year high school. And it's been, it's been to the races since then, you know, and I'm 38. (laughs) So that just to give you some, some context, you know, that's, that's fall of 1999.
0: You know, right. And, you know, like, on top of that, like, it's so funny. It's so funny for me to hear you say that, like, you know, like talking about juice and being like, this isn't necessarily like my culture at this point, but like, it's all around you, you know, like you're surrounded by these people who are doing all this stuff.
1: Oh, exactly. I just didn't know what to look for. But what was also interesting, what was also interesting is something that I learned from watching Rhyme of Reason, which would loop into itself when I was 14 or 15, it would have been spring of our, our freshman year. We're in Hyde Park going to the spot Dr. Wax. And these guys are selling uh a mixtape put together. I forget who put it together, but DJ Precise did all the cuts called the Cooley High mixtape. And this is the first hey, time Cooley High. Yeah. You know, and you know, talking about Chicago, right? Like that was the high school Curtis Mayfield went to. And like and it has the coolie High samples and all that. And this is the first time, because you know, if you don't know about the local scene, everything you know about is radio, which at that time, um, you gotta love Bill Clinton, with the Telecommunications Act, they basically <laughs> figured out how to how to like, like wipe, like get rid of the necessity to have local rap on the radio station. So that started to rapidly disappear after 96, 97. So by the time I'm in high school, we're only getting local rap at the end of the night, and it's basically the guys who could pay to be on. So it's we're getting pretty much the same thing the kids in the suburbs are getting. So unless you know the college radio stations like WKKC, or you can get WNUR if you're way up north, the WHPK if you're south, you don't know about it. So we get the we go half on a fully High mixtape. And that's the first time I hear rappers that say they're from Chicago that kind of have accents like me, that are rhyming. I'm hearing Justin Vakil. I'm hearing mass hysteria. I'm hearing, you know, all natural. You know, Big Ella just died. So there's a tribute to Big Ella on there. You know, and, you know, hearing all these things. And that's when, like, you know, Juice is when I saw the world. The Cooley High mixtape is when I realized the world also had my accent. You know, because mm. I didn't. You know, I learned about Common around that time. I didn't know that Common. You know, Common didn't get played on the radio a lot. I'm sure. You know? yeah, 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 Not at that time. <laughs> but you know, with like he was, he was a niche art, a niche guy who did well. That when he released the record, they would interview him, talk about the record, and go back to ignoring him. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Type so, shit, yeah. Yeah. So like then that's when that world that seemed so foreign started to sound like me. Other than that, it was like the brat, you know, in rhyme or Reason doing the interview out on the toilet, smoking a blunt. You know classic. <laughs> and sure, you had you had all the west side dudes like do or die and crucial conflict and twist them, but I'm a south side dude, so like there was pride in it, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as, like, hearing Mike, you know, Mike Treese and G-Field of Mass Hysteria just get down and G-Field go maliciously deliver quotes, that nigga floats like riverboats. Or Kill, <laughs> who's from my neighborhood, going starting his song, I'll roast niggas today. beg me to change the subject. You know?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, let alone, let alone when you start to hear Quell and start to hear Outer Limits and Quasar and all that. So that all started at 14. That's
0: crazy, man. Like, like like I love hearing you, like I can just hear the excitement in your voice just like talking about all these local acts. Like that's like that's so amazing to me. Like I try not to like you, you know, like I feel like uh like that's just like that's just really dope to me. Like I could tell that you really, really, really love this shit.
1: And just I mean, like yeah. Being, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, like the tough part over the years, I put out my first solo album. 11, 12 years ago? Mm-hmm. Only reason I say that is that, like, from the time I started getting interviewed, people go, oh, so that just must be your main influence. And when I said no, they get, get offended. Mm-hmm. And I'm and like, you realize I'm from a city where there was a rap record on vinyl in 1980. <laughs> that was, was called Chicago Rap. And that probably wasn't even the first Chicago rap record. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, motherfuckers, fa- families forced them to move. So there was a train painting in Chicago since '79. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers were beatboxing and breakdancing since back then. One of the legends, the undisputed king of Chicago graffiti, saw graffiti and was inspired by it by watching the intro to Welcome Back, Carter. There's always been hip hop there. You know, right. so for me, I talk about my hometown with a certain level of pride, you know, just because, like, I've, you know, I know that the guys I looked up to back home, including the left field dudes who were really cool with all the left field dudes on the East coast and the West coast were just as good, you know, like, yes. so, yeah, like rubber room aside, they, their label fell through and Big just signed them and released their record architect technology, you know, big, just for company flow. And he released it from his label when he moved to Atlanta. At the same time, he released the second version of Operation Doomsday. So there's like connections to like hip hop with all that, you know, you yeah. know. So like I, I I got love for that, and you know, these are all my big homies. These are the dudes that gave me uh, positive encouragement and, in some respects, mentorship. You know, as a you know when I was young, you know yeah. the same yeah you know, the same way you know me and my boys did for like Death Sea and like Solar 5 and and the sky mob dudes and the slum gang dudes, you know, and all those guys, you know, you know, so yeah. like, yeah, let me speak about it with, 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 energy, you
0: know? Yeah, no, I just really appreciate that, you know, like, cause like there aren't very many, you know, like we're, like, we're past the point now where like, like, like at the beginning of the 2010s, everybody, all anybody wanted to talk about was like the, the democratization of hip hop because of the internet and how like nobody sounded like they were from anywhere anymore. And like, I feel like, I feel like over the course of the last couple of years, things have really started to swing back in the other direction where like everything's becoming like hyper regional again, you know, like, you know, like I'm from Jersey, Jersey has a scene. That that you know oh. is that like inter- that like interacts with like you know like New York and New Jersey have always interacted but like yeah. like New York and New Jersey have distinct sounds. Chicago right now has a distinct sound. L. A. has a distinct sound. Texas has a dis like not to say that that wasn't the case before. Obviously it was, but like you know like the prevailing conversation is no longer like oh like ASAP Rocky made something that sounds like it's from Texas, so now yeah. everything means nothing. You know like it, like I'm just really. Like you being that amped about it just reminded me of that. And that made me smile,
1: you know? Oh, no, no, I appreciate that. And yeah, like (laughs) I I was doing shows when people were talking about the democratization of hip hop. And it was funny because I was like, yes and no. It tend to be a lot of dudes represented by the same publicist.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Just being real about a lot of it. But yeah, like, you know, you did have a lot of, you did have people that realized, you know, you know, like I get why ASAP Rocky embraced it because, like you know, it's the way it's the way music travels. Like yeah. jazz isn't from New York at all, but there are certain approaches to jazz that developed in New York, right? And,
0: of course, and of course, like the Harlem Renaissance, like everybody kind of associates jazz with the Harlem Renaissance. So
1: yeah, yeah. But, but, totally. but it's from New Orleans, yeah. you know, exactly. or like, yeah. or like <laughs> I have, like I'm at my bar in the middle of the night, and it's. 50-something-year-old white dude is telling me the inaccurate history of of drill music because a kid that he works with from East New York told him the wrong history because he doesn't fucking know the history. But that's fine. But he learned the history from somebody interpreting the history on the internet. right? He's like, yeah, they call it drill music because the drum pattern is like like a, a, a drum march. I was like, no. Drill means putting a hole in a person's body, like a drill. People look so dumb, bro. I'm so mad. I learned (laughs) that at 27. I learned that at 27 because it was made by dudes. I was 10 years older than. Right. So so I get it, but, like, it's, it's, you know, but, like, you know, a lot of what we're dealing with is that people find fascination with other regions. But as it goes, like, there's always those who are very – very prideful of, like, the shit that, like, what their town comes from and does. You know, that's always going to be a thing. The Beast Coast thing was one of those, like, responses to it. For sure, which yeah. Which I love, you know, like, I can't, you know, you know, it's funny because, like, a lot of the dudes who I could think of from Chicago to get uh talked about, a lot of them run together. I know because I knew a lot of them when they were kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But a lot of them run together. Some of them used to be in a crew together. You know, and quite a few of them were mentored by an old homie of mine, rest in peace, brother Mike. And you know, like eventually there are gonna be people who want what they sound to sound like what their sound to be the prevalent approach. You know, that's why, despite all the cool kids and the ASAP Rockies and so on and so forth, you hear somebody like Max O'Cream, and you go, All right, that, you know, not only is he spitting. But this feels like somewhere I'm not. But that's kind of the cool point. And like, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. Eventually, you know, because the one place, the one place, no matter how unified, homogenous shit seemed at the time, that always was doing its own thing was the hood. The hoods in every city had something that just entertained them. There it is. Had the dances, had the accents, had the slang, so on and so forth. All it took was for like the intelligent, you know, intelligent. I hate saying intelligent because those, you know, those are the people who innovate, but those are the people who are also cowards. So they figure out intelligent ways to explain why they're imitating. You know, like those, you know, it just took for them to finally go, no, we're going to do us. Right. More for the time to catch up, like for took forever for Spillage Village to finally get they just do. I want to hear about how long Earth Gang and Jid and them were really doing it down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we heard about them; they already had a serious ass phone. Yeah, so you're right. Like, like hearing the regional sound come back is wonderful. Yeah,
0: nah, like yeah, you know, like not to not to not to belabor the point too long, but like you know, like once again, like Jersey, like. And like, I grew up on Jersey Club. Like, that's music that, okay. like, I know, like, that's, like, like, my heart beats at the pattern of a Jersey Club drum track. But either way, okay. like, you, yeah. know, you, you know, just, like, being at the point now where, like, everyone's super-duper, fa- like, people have been super-duper fascinated with Jersey Club music. Like, it's been it's been all over all the most popular rap shit for the last, like, two, three years. And, you know, like, people, people out of Newark are, like, going crazy with it and, like, turning it into, like, a, a mix between, like, Jersey Club and Drill. You know, and, and like, that's like one place where like Jersey and New York are having a really distinct conversation. And of course, you know, like, and, 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 you know, like drill is gone from like, of course, like drill started in Chicago, moved yeah. to the UK and kind of went. It, it's I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and give a history lesson, but like, you know, I just. uh, It's just really cool for people like, like, like it's just cool that like, you know, it's just cool that people feel more pride yes. in like being. Yes. Being from where they are, you know, like you, you mentioned Maxo Cream. He's somebody like you hear him like that's Texas. Like he sounds like not even just Texas. He, that's Houston. Houston he, he sounds sound like, like a Houston dude. Like, no. yeah, not exactly. Like he like it's just like he's it's so distinct. Like he, he couldn't hide that if he tried, you know, like and I love that. Um, but before but before we get too off track, um, but before we move on to the album, you know, like since we're talking about like local regional shit i i i can't have you on here and not talk a little bit about the tomorrow kings oh, so definitely. just like you know like just just like talk to me like you know like, you're at this point you're know, like going back to like you being like 14 15 where like rap is really starting to become like a real thing that you're investing your time and your energy into um when did uh when did your position in where did the tomorrow kings come into all of this like when did you start making music with them
1: okay Let's see, we started making together, music together 14 years ago. Now, okay. it might have been 15, because um, Ivy serious? Focus's oldest child was born right before the crew started. So around 14, 15 years ago is when Tomorrow Kings collectively. But members of Tomorrow Kings have been making music with each other before that. Right, of course. Yeah. Like So by the time Tomorrow Kings came around, Ivy Focus, Colossal Structure, Gilead 7, been doing music. Me and Gilead Seven had a vinyl together, where he just produced it. Malachi and Gilead had done stuff together. Uh, Il Blamino and Gyroscope had music together. But more or less, like, we... I used to, right out of college, let's say, um, 15, 16 years ago, God. Right out of college, um, I ran a a, a, a space with... Um, he now goes by Skill Rip, Used to be Rip Palm. And my homie, Dawul Rasul, photographer, used to um, run a clothing brand. He used to be the, the GM at a St. Alfred Streetwear Company in Chicago. Oh, us, three yes. had, us three had a spot. Long story less long, first night we did an event, one of the homie's crew who was supposed to run the whole event failed. We re-engineered, pivoted. And the guys who I'd just been drinking with helped me run the event that night. It helped me run the event multiple times. There was a scribble Jam battle. I'd already been the, the regional champ two years in a row. I lost. I got drunk. Did a speech to Ivy Focus about how despite there being 50 producers and 50 MCs, we're gonna walk out of here and there will not be 50 new albums. He brought us all together. I was the last one to be, I was the last one to join because I was considered a hothead. Even though I was probably the first one to get off, one of the first to get off with of it. And we started doing all that. We we um we got our we started meeting at Gilead Seventh House, put together our first mixtape industrial music, which had been like 13, 14 years ago. And while we we're doing that, we we're all working on our solo and group projects. So 13, 14 years ago, we started. And between that and NRTM, we put out like five or six different Things, including like two compilations, you know. So yeah, that would have had to have been a uh, 2009. Uh, I think 2009, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're fin- and we're wrapping up the next record right now. So I heard
0: that's like that's what. So like 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 I'm blanking right now. When when was the last Tomorrow Kings record? Because I feel like it's been a Ten little while ago. since the last yeah, I thought so. Yeah, ten years ago, not.
1: <laughs> like we like so. like we've all done music with each other since, right? Like they were like I had members on Gunship Diplomacy from seven years back, which was me and Atd's second album together. I I love that album, by the way. That, uh, that album you. is
0: great, bro. Seriously, I still,
1: still got to talk to the uh, digital distributors so it comes up under a sketch release, uh, because people still believe there was a uh, ten-year period uh, between me releasing albums. And no but thank thank you I, that, that's my baby right there that's that one was crazy, but like d a had seven had records, Gyroscope had records, and like we've all been on each other's records since then, yeah. but full project ten years ago it'd be ten years in december damn
0: <laughs> so like you know like you um y'all y'all bring so- like like you know like just thinking about just thinking about the tomorrow kings and like the music y'all make like you bring so much energy out of each other and like it feels like it might be some of the most urgent rap music i've ever heard in my life so like at that time you know like while you have of course like while you while you have kind of like established yourself as like your own separate entity working with you know like working in the configurations that y'all did like what was it like what was it like working with all your people like early on and how do you kind of feel like they helped develop? Like, do you, like, do you feel like working with them helped you develop yourself more outside of the group? I mean, like that makes
1: sense. Well, one thing I will, I'll add, um, I guess this is what helps. We were all, we were all the guys who were too weird, too aggressive or too something for the separate quarters of the scene that we were on. Right. And we were all drinking buddies. We all became drinking buddies. So there was a a gravitation towards each other. Like when I met Gyroscope, because this is important to how they helped me develop. They were were doing open mics. And the first, second time I saw them, they performed one of their songs over the instrumental "The Cowboys by Portishead. Mm. And this is one of these Shade Butter open mics. And everybody was... (laughs) Everybody was so fucking scared of them. And I I was like, I was like, really? Then I go, oh, that's right. Y'all don't know what Portishead is almost 10 years later. And like, and like, they're going through saying real shit. Talking about growing up on 79th street, like the long stretch that a lot of cats grew up on. You know, they grew up down the street from my brother and they all grew up down the street from Chance, who's a lot younger than us. You know what I'm saying? But every, you know, because it's a black neighborhood, so it's mixed income. So everybody grew up, you know, with all that. And these people couldn't get it. And when we all came together, all of the things that everybody else thought were weird about us, we were like, oh, okay, yeah. And I do some, I do a version of that like this and like this. And it was the first time I was constantly writing around people I was competitive with, that made me very competitive where it wasn't that I just thought that I would be the top dog otherwise, but like people would come at things with, from angles I wouldn't have thought of. So it made me have to think of things from different angles, you know, You know, because it's easy to constantly do songs from the same lens, repeatedly. You know, like you can, you always get the same results. It's like doing the same rhyme scheme, you get the same results. Somebody's always gonna like it. And with them, like, when well, you're dealing with I.B. focused colossal structure, they're going to do something different every time. And they're going to do something different than each other and wrap it around you and go, okay, it's your turn. And Gilead 7 is always going to take an approach and a narration that's different. And Malak El is going to hit a flow and do certain things that are different. And Ilsa Blim was going to hit shit at half speed a certain way and like switch the tempo of the song based on his pacing. And the mom will hit you with a bunch of one-liners that are weaved a certain way that if you're not hitting, if you're not listening, you're going to miss the details. And I have my approach, which is a, a lot of details, a lot of flow all at the same time. But one thing they, they taught me is how to not always be dissonant. When I rhyme. I still do it a lot on my solo stuff, but when you're dealing with a crew, you figure out the great versions of you a uh, representations of what you do that fit within the whole which yes. in turn introduces new approaches to your style of MC you don't start sounding like them you start sounding like a different version of you that works in that mm-hmm. moment right. because because getting 8 bars means that you have to do something that you don't have to do we have 16 or 24 right. Because when you're in the seven man seven MCs at that time, plus the DJ, you could get lost real fucking quickly. You could think you're really good. You could think that verse is really good. Then Malak come on and you're like, fuck, I guess I got to be right. So it, <laughs> so it teaches you about the things in your style that are interesting and that are particular. In a in a certain way because you only have so many seconds to produce them. Right.
0: Yeah, no, nah, like that that's oh sorry, were you about to say something else?
1: I mean, actually I, I could go on and on about it. Like, you know, it's just like you learn different ways of courses because everybody has a different approach to a course. Right. You know, like I do the little John course. I find a phrase that's really cool and I repeat it a lot. Yeah. That's what I do. I'll occasionally do something different, but in general. It sounds really cool. The crowd's gonna like it. You repeat it a lot. It's the same thing as stretching before the next round. You know, it gives people a moment to, to mentally relax. And not everybody plays that game and everybody has a different approach that works for their style. And then right. you start to synthesize new things from that. And that's funny. And that's funny you say that
0: because I was just listening to Badly Drawn Hero on my way yeah. here. And you do that on Badly Drawn Hero, you know, that yeah. I could see for miles and my yeah, like that, oh, yeah. that's like that was. Yeah. I love that. I just, I just, I just think, I just think that's dope. But, um, you know, so like, yeah. So like, you, you know, you have your work with the tomorrow Kings, you have your solo work, you have the other collaborative stuff you're doing at the time. And then, um, around 2018, I mean, like you've, you, I mean, like you had known woods and Backwoods before then, but like, I'm still stuck on the fact that you have the only feature on Armand Hammer's paraffin, you yeah. know, like, you know, like you, so, so, so like before we get to, uh, nothing for the swim back in particular, talk to me about when you first connected with Woods and Backwoods and, like, how how that happened. Because, like, you know, like, being in a position where you're the only person on an album with a feature, like, that's, like, or, or, or like, you being the only feature on an album, like, that's notable, you know, I mean, especially you know, with the two of them.
1: <laughs> and that, and that's a simple, and, and, and it's funny that you say the two of them, I'm like, because this is why. That's a simple story. It's AM breakups. AM breakups is cool. You just dropped the album today called Redivider. It's so good. Yeah, it's dope. Um, he is cool with my homie V8 and Vile. I meet him 15 years ago when I'm out uh, in New York uh, for New Year's Eve. Later on, we reconnect after the V8's record comes out. And he has my favorite beat on it. I reach out to him. We go, uh, I come out on vacation to visit my boys, the Paxton's. And to say what's up to him, he sets up a show because I'm coming into town. And on the show, it's Warren Britt it's shape, you know, slang core, you know, New Jersey. It's uncommon to ask him when he's still going by Adam Warlock. Shout out NASA. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking to him not too long ago. It was it was MC-11 who had the group with breakups called 11 AM. It was a loose. You had Colt Favorite, which they were still working on at the time, which was AM breakups group with Elusive. Mm-hmm. You know, they exactly. were still they were still putting it all together. Like I heard like the original, I heard the the early mix of Omega 3 and a bunch of the other shit while I was out there. You know, like and it was Billy Woods and it was me. Because Breakups had been produced, been a producer with Woods, super f- did, did produce shit with Super Flankron Brothers and produced shit on Woods albums. So they had a working relationship for years at that point. And Backwoods released and breakups first solo album, The Cam Resurrection. You know, a long time ago, like 14, 15 years ago. So like breakups did the introduction. And when I got back to Chicago, months later, Woods was out in Chicago doing business. So he hung out with me at Colossal Structure. From there, I moved to New York and we've just been around each other and did music. And Willie Green had me on the record and I saw him around. And, you know, you know, I'd done songs with Elucid over the years. Did some shit with Castro. Me and him still got an unreleased song. Him and Jeff Markey did a release, uh remix for the Tomorrow Kings record. Uh that Breakers had a beat on. And that was just a relationship. So we had a relationship. We were cool with each other. And then he calls me one night and goes, We're working on a secret album. And we decided we we want to reach out because we want you to be the only feature on it. And you know, and keep in mind, like they're they're on the rise. And because I knew them already, I wasn't like, oh my god, Armor Hammer. It's just two cats I'm cool with. Of course. You know what I'm saying? But that's me talking. But that's me talking. So they put out paraffin. And paraffin like blows up in a way that, like, I don't know if it surprised them, but it surprised everybody the fuck else. Because it was because they put out what was called a surprise album. I'm like, how long do you have to be for it to be a surprise album? (laughs) And it comes out. And they don't, you know, they only have vinyl only. They don't have streaming. Yeah. And so with that, you know, like, I didn't know how serious of an impact my personal Ify hollow was for people. Because, you know, like, there wasn't, like, any internet thing I was checking for. And, um, and more or less, they told me to write something aggressive or heartfelt. And my aunt had just died and I didn't have the money to go back. You know, there's a lot more I could go into that story to be real with you, but I'm not going to. And I wrote about that and a few other things, you know. And that was like my first song with them. But it was like my second or third song with Backwoods at that point, you know. And it's just been a relationship since, you know. Like, Woods has always figured out a way to keep me within orbit. Same for Lucid, same for Willie Green, Same for Still Tip Dove. Like, when they were trying to figure out a feature for Buddy Ryan, Woods went, what about Sketch? Um, And they called me, in the seat I'm sitting at right now, Woods explained it to me. I was like, send the beat over. Wrote a piece of it, spit it to him. He he waited 15 minutes, called me back, spit his piece. I spit my last little bit, emailed it over, had a new song like that. So we had already been working. And Jeff Markey you know, like, that's my relationship with Backwoods. We've just been within Orbit. They've they've referenced Tomorrow Kings quite a few times on the music. You know, anytime you hear the phrase, nigger time machine, they're talking about us. Mm-hmm. Anytime you hear, like, one of the homies say, what else? They're talking about, they're, talk, they're referencing one of our songs. <laughs> you know, and things like that. So, like, my relationship goes back at least 11, 12 years with them. Like, I traded a copy of New New Age Middle Finger or a copy of History will absolve me. <laughs> if you want to you want to talk about like the years, you know, yeah, that's tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like, you know, like I like I love that because you know, like I, I um I don't know if I've like specifically said it, but like your style is so like your writing style and you know, like your vocal delivery is like so intense, you know, like once yeah. again, like we're talking about like passion and heartfelt and just like. Your music, once again, I think like I used this word before, but like urgent, you know, like you're like yes. extremely yes. urgent. And like, I appreciate, you know, like it, like just seeing and like having that, like having you having been around backwards as long as you had been. And then that yeah. being your first moment to be like, yo, it's time to show improve with Woods and Elusive. And like, it, it, it's, it's a spectacular verse. And like, you know, like I you know, like, like I had mentioned before, you know, like I had seen you around New York and I think I might've seen you do like one or two shows at like a handful of like the, uh, um, I'm, I'm at a handful of the joints that I was going to, like just out of college. So like, yeah. I was just like, kind of like around and just like absorbing what y'all were doing with like, y'all and the karma yeah. kids. And just like, you know, so like the early vestiges of like, not early vestiges, but just like the early, like, like the Backwoods 2.0 stuff. I was like, just starting to get into that and like okay. NASA stuff and. You know, like everything with um uh like your Prague and all, all yeah. that shit
1: yeah
0: so like you know, it's, you know it's, it's like seeing so like it's like getting to know you then through your music because we didn't know each other then but like getting yeah. to know you through your music then hearing you on paraffin and then to see he left nothing for the swim back habit. you know like to you know like to like see your name and be like oh shit like i haven't seen like it, 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 like it had been a while since I've been like, oh shit, it's a sketch 185 album this time. Oh, I've yeah. dive in like it, yeah. it, it, it. just it felt like a no brainer to me. So like, when did so like talk to me about when that that album started to come together? Also, I can't not mention this. Like the title is a Gattaca reference, is it not? Yes, it is. That's fantastic. Yes. I love that. So like, so so like, before we even get into the album, like why why was that line the title for the album? Like, what about that screen title to you?
1: I mean, like, Gattaca is, like, probably one of my top five favorite movies. And, yeah. and you know, there was something... That scene always... That scene always stuck with me. And, you know, like, He Loved Nothing for the Swim Back was, like... Even the song was kind of like a, a declarative statement about a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first... You know, the first, you know all the first lyrics, you know... It was about, like, you know, it was about a lot of stuff, you know. Like, I won't go into all of it, but, you know. But as I was writing the verse over the time, first thing that popped in my head, one thing, because I write scattered a lot of times. I just remember writing, he left nothing for the swim back. But craters as monuments. But when the time comes that they forget how to sing about it. You know, like, the general idea is, like, if you don't leave enough stuff, even if you leave enough stuff, people will try to figure out how to how to how to um, interpret it, and their interpretation always makes more sense to them about you than it does than it does for you. And um, I was just like, man, if I can't give people an explanation, if I can't give people a proper explanation of who I am, let me leave them something that lets them know I was here. You know, like either like like it's like I could leave you a tombstone or I could leave you a cat or I could leave you a chasm. Like, you know, either way <laughs> it go, you're gonna either way I go, you're gonna reinterpret it. And I just like that. There's a thing about it, that's the thing about it. That's the thing. yeah, so I had he left nothing for the swim back. He left nothing for the swim back except credits for monuments when the time comes. And if he gets out to sing about it. And just thinking about like the idea of um the way I rap, like I, I rap in a certain I rap purposefully when I'm doing it correctly in a way that it's hard for somebody to imitate. Yeah. And you know, if you imitate it, I know I know that you listen to me a lot because you can't stumble upon uh the particular patterns to do the breaths to make certain syllables because like 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 vowels and consonants require a different amount of breath. So to do them in a certain to do them in a certain succession. Um, uh, fucks with your breath control, and I do them in certain su- certain succession, so it's harder to repeat. So anybody trying to repeat my rhyme has a harder time. It's something me and my boy Choir came up with. So I'm up, you know, but I'm doing all that while trying to think high minded. But I'm doing all that while trying to do a flow. Well, I'm trying to do every single thing every single time, I'm not giving you. I'm not leaving anything for people. And subject wise. I'm going to get all of this out. If you want to hate me, you're going to hate me after this record. You're going to love me after this record. But I'm not going to leave a subject for later because later may not come. So I'm going to, you know, you know, so you you get that. And, you know, like, other than that, there was a part where I was just like, we only only argue with family around here. So despite your claim, you were found here. That was like, because quite a few things on the song are jabs, at mid-level, upper-tier uh, indie rappers who I've known over the years and ran into over the years, you know, because just like when I was in my hometown, Tomorrow Kings is one of the most, despite being blackball, we were probably the most respected rap group in the city. Right. So a lot of times we would be the guys who open for the acts, and if we didn't open for the acts, people would try to couch surf at one of our places and varying things like that. So we knew all the guys coming through. And sometimes we did shows with them. And sometimes we'd have to deal with fuck niggas who just happened to be mid-level rappers. So there are jabs about it all. So despite being... this, (laughs) We only argue with family around here. Despite your claim, you were found here. Perhaps the dream is ghetto to you, but my wife just found here. That's the thing about it. That's the sting about it. He left nothing for the swim back but created his monuments when the time comes and if you get out to sing about it. So when you combine it all, it's basically, you know, because every piece means one thing combined, everything means something else. And it's just like reminding people that, you know, everything, you know, when you put it in sequence, everything that's important to them only means so much to me. And, you know, like, and, it, you know, and just things like that. Like in Gattaca, just the whole idea of, you know, the dude doing the impossible and working through everything, you know, and everybody telling him he's not supposed to do be able to do it because of something in his blood, but nothing of his ability. And he managed to defeat it all, and the thing and the thing that almost defeated him wasn't him live. <laughs> you know, his brother almost turned him in strictly because he wasn't supposed to do it. He wasn't supposed to be able to do it. Right. He was supposed to have been dead at forty, Absolutely. you know. At a, at a, you know, in a world with medical advancement, <laughs> you know, right, and things like that, you know, and you know that always they're, that stuck with me. And the same as with a League of their own, it's a movie that means something different the older I get, you know. So I try to watch it once a year. And the way it's shot, the colors, I still haven't seen Les Summer*, and I was told that it's it owes a lot of its style to the movie Les Summer*. But it's yeah. But it's the way it's stylized, the approach, the dialogue, the fact that it's probably the most artful way of um, talking about eugenics we've seen so far. Yeah, I agree. You know, even um um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, even the Jerome Morrow character, he goes by his middle name, and his middle name is Eugene. Eugene is the term for well born It's so Francis Galton, Darwin's cousin's name for the perfectly born male. Right. You know, you, eugenics Eugene. So Eugene means well born. It's the ideal human male specimen, which for them meant white men. Um right. but yeah. Yeah, so like so like just the idea of like telling your brother you you um you will go as far as you can if you have enough energy. I I don't leave any energy for the swim back. And that's why I beat you. you know? No, it's a, it's a declarative statement.
0: It's a yeah, declarative. yeah, it's a... Dec- yeah, and, like, once again, you know, like, that urgency, you know, like,
1: you've got... Oh, when well, I go. Like,
0: yeah, you know, like, that's, like... Cause, like yeah, because, like, before I had even realized that it was a reference to the movie you know, like, you know, like just like tapping into that idea of like, you know, like giving, you know, like, you know, like leaving nothing for the swim back, meaning giving it all you've got in that one yes. moment. And yes. just, and, and just like the, and it's like the idea of like you talking about like your style and the way you're like placing syllables to either, either uh, aid or fuck with your breath control. Like, that's like, it sounds like so spontaneous, but like also like very like measured and like thought out at the same time. It, it's, it's like, it, once again, it's unique. There's really no what, like, I can't think of very many other people who would put, I mean, like, obviously not exactly like you do, but, like, that's so, like, like, you, hearing you say that is, like, when I first heard that Wayne and Jay-Z never wrote music and just did it all off the top, you know, like, they would, like, write it in their heads and, like, have it, like, it gives me, like, it like it just gives me that same, like, holy shit, like, how do you even manage I mean, <laughs>
1: I write and I edit a lot. I write a lot right. I edit a lot. Like most of my songs have three or four edits. I think one of the only ones that does it on that record is J Street. Mm-hmm. You know, like that one just I just kind of pieced together over time. And more or less once I once I knew the first line, I was able to just kind of like go through it. But everything else, like badly drawn hero. I, I started writing that song two years before I had a beat for it. Hmm. And I told Jeff there was a concept for the for the record, because I knew what concepts I wanted to do on the record with Jeff, because this was going to be my first record fully written and recorded in New York. Yeah, so I knew that certain subjects were going to be on there. But badly drawn hero was one of the things I was like, I know was going to be on there. Then he kept playing me beats, because me and Jeff have been talking about working on the record since I both first moved to New York. He'd be playing me beats for like not eight nine years, and mm-hmm. then like right before the lockdown, he played me a piece of the beat that would become "Badly Drawn Hero," and he was about to skip over it. He just played a little piece. I was like, "No, now go back." And you know, me and him already had done songs together already. He did a remix for New Age for a song on the New Age Middle Finger um, right after I met him. You know, and we did songs, but like, but anyhow, all of that happened four years ago, like, got that. Then in the last three years. So here's the thing the record had been done. We could have released the record in 2022. Mm. Yeah, but. Why didn't you? And in order to do it right, you gotta do the right things. So, like, I could have, re- I could have, re- we could have released the record in 2022, but we wouldn't have had a physical copy. We wouldn't have had our videos. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done, we wouldn't have had all the things that we needed in order for it to get as far as it could. You know, because with that said, we're damn near halfway through another record. You know. <laughs> He's just waiting Jeez, y'all don't stop. But, yeah, he has been waiting been waiting on me for, to send a few more records, a few more uh, songs for a minute. And tomorrow kings is all over that record. You know, and now we're just seeing who else. I want to get Big Just on the record. I I'll see about getting uh, NASA on the record. You know, that's my Big Brother, I want to get him on there. Still Riff might make it on there. Everybody in Tomorrow King is on the record. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, like it's it was, you know, it, it was like me and Jeff lived down the street from each other. So we've been, we worked on it, you know, constantly for like two years. Yeah. You know, on a day off, we'd play, shoot, shoot the basketball around, go back to his crib, work on stuff. i go to my crib, rewrite, record, send it over, over and over and over, you know. And there's still like four songs that didn't make the record. Three or four songs that didn't make the record that we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with them.
0: Y'all aren't finna to do like a deluxe or anything crazy like that, are you?
1: Man, I can't comment on it. But that
0: that's
1: not a bad idea. It's not a
0: bad idea. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, like, it, like, it's like I only ask that because you know I feel like I feel like I've either said or alluded to this like a bunch over the, over, over the course of this like conversation. But just yeah. like you know, like, you're kind of you're kind of going through like you're at a point now where you're going through like what could be what could be considered either a second or maybe even like a third win. You know, like you're at a point that, you know, like you're at a you're at a point now where like you had you had this like like you started out in one place, you moved from Chicago to New York, like you and Tomorrow Kings and everybody else did your thing, and like people are now coming to you having no idea who you are, like you know, like I mean, like Backwoods is doing whatever Backwoods has been doing for years, you know, like they're they've obviously been killing it, but like you're at a point now where you have this whole new like group of people who are like, oh, who's sketch 185. I've never yeah. heard of sketch 185, you yeah. know? And like, you know, like, and, 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 um, I feel, I feel like the reception to you and Jeff's record has been like really incredible. And just like, yeah, you know, like, you, you know, like you, and like considering what you said about you and Jeff having already started and damn near finished a whole other album with like even more people on it because yeah. like, like a bunch of the tomorrow Kings are already on nothing for the swim back anyway. But yeah. like, you know, like, just, just being just being in this position, like, you know, like, being in this position, do you ever think about, like, just making music for new people who may not know who you are ever, like, factor into the way you make music? Like, no. like, is there ever a period of time where you're like, oh, like, I'm creating for people who may not know who I am? Do you just kind of do it? Sorry. That, that, I asked that weird.
1: But. No, no, no. You asked it correctly. No, no, no. No, because, no, to be honest, like, like, like I write to, like, outdo what I just did. You know what I'm saying? To uh, bring, you know, bring myself and my music to a place that it hasn't been before. So it's something that surprises me. You know what I'm saying? But over the time, like, I feel like this, I found out over the years. In the release, so you know, I have three three albums in some form or another. Sketch, Uh, a Tomorrow Kings mixtape, got a Tomorrow Kings album, got um, you know what I'm saying? Got vinyl all over the place, guest appearance all over the place, been on tour. All of that begets people reaching out, responding, and saying what's up. And in which case, I've had people reaching out from so many different places with so many different approaches and angles. So what they think of my music and how to interpret my music, it's just impossible to try to make music for them. You know, you know, so like I just have to, you know, and when you but if you do do that, you also run the risk of being a caricature of yourself. And the hard part is I don't know how to define myself. And every time people try to define me, except for what you've done uh, quite eloquently, it usually involves me being screaming. And then believing I'm not saying anything that makes any sense. Like it's the ravens of a madman. So I just basically focus on, you know, trying to be more in depth into my writing and my style. And like, you know, finding approaches that I haven't found yet. And moving with that. Because that's the only way I'm going to entertain the people that could never predict what they were going to get in the first place.
0: Right. You know, like, and I think, and I think, especially for someone like you, I think that's, I think that's the best way. I honestly think that's the best way to create. It's just, like, you know what you want. And, like, even, even, even if you can't define who you are, like, you are who you are just by being yourself. You know, like, it's on the records. Like, you kind of mentioned it before. just, like, being, just, like, just, just, like, being who you are and letting people figure that out. Like, whether that, whether, like, whether, like, one bar or one, or, like, one stanza, like, means, more to somebody else than it does to you. Like you know what you did, you made the music, and obviously like once you put it out, it's not really yours anymore. So like it's oh, kind of, you know, like that's just how it is. And that's one of the things I've always really respected about you as an artist. You know like you feel like you feel like someone who just like I I really hate that I'm about to reference a Rick Rubin thing right now. But he just like did this interview where <laughs> it just he just did an interview where he um where like he was talking about how like the value in art is you feeling comfortable enough to share it with people. Like that's where the value comes from, as opposed to other people, listeners giving it that value, you know, like fantastic fucking point. And like, I think you are such a great example of that, like putting that into practice. Like that's, that's what I've always loved about your music. And I'm just really happy that you're at a point where more people are going to know who you are, regardless of how they react. You know, like you just, like you, you just make the kind of music that deserves to be heard by as many people as possible. You know, I, I so like appreciate just, that. Yeah, no, nah, like it's it's, um, you know, I, I'm like my word doesn't mean shit. I'm just I'm just a fan, but like you know,
1: like, that's I, I just how appreciate, it. I appreciate it. You know, you get up, like I can't like I went on tour shrapnel. It had been my first time on tour in four years, right? And, and you know, when I was out on the road, and I this is like my fifth or sixth tour, for what it's worth but this is the first tour I looked down the crowd and strange new lyrics. Mm. And, you know, and when you sit and talk with people, you find out what you mean to them and that, you know, and that right there, that even if I'm not making music specifically with them in mind, you know, you know, it, it feels good to know that, you know, my internal dialogue, you know, reaches people. You know, so, it won't take six years for this next record to come out it It'll take more than six months because you know business you know what I'm saying, but it will be coming it will be coming out soon enough, and you know it's just gonna be me trying to push whatever envelope I believe I was pushing before you know
0: yeah and, yeah and i and like and like I can't wait to hear I can't wait to hear how you do it, and like. To bring up to bring all of this full circle um sketch, if your life was a movie, what would it be
1: about? And I don't I don't know. Because you're supposed to be the hero on your own story. I don't think I always have it. You know. Shit, that's a that's a tough one. You no, know, because in a certain respects, i you know, at this point, I feel like it would be for lack of a better way of putting it, somewhere between Forrest Gump and Juice, you know, with a little bit of a um, long nights, short mornings uh, thrown in, and maybe Love Jones, but largely involved with interracial relationships. But, like, it would... (laughs) Like, it... I couldn't... I, I don't know if I could think of any particular movie, but, like, somewhere between Juice and Forrest Gump at this point, I've just... You know, I've been involved and been around things, you know, and had the good fortune of meeting people, you know, over the course of time that's just been interesting. And, you know, where it sounds impressive to everybody else. And sometimes I was just excited, and a lot of times I was just drunk. But, you know, like, (laughs) like, you know, but I was there,
0: you know. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, you know, like, on top of that, like, you know, like it's really interesting that you're like, you know, like you have to be the hero of your own story. It's like, I f- like, like I feel like there are a lot of people, myself included, who might disagree with that sometimes because we're not always the hero of our own story. Man, like I- every, 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 you know, like everyone makes mistakes. You know, like sometimes you know, it, it even goes beyond mistakes. Sometimes we just do bad shit, yeah. you know, and like we have to like reckon with that, like whatever you know, I-
1: that may be. I mean, absolutely. As long as it's not like the NWA movie, I'm good. You know, exactly. Okay. <laughs> they left out a whole ass member of uh, NWA. Was it, was it, who, who, who did they, who did they leave out? Was it, um, Arabian it Prince. Arabian Prince. Uh, man. Arabian, um, Prince made, Arabian Prince made beats on Straight out of Compton. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That he I know. He I was on the cover. <laughs> but yeah. No, he's like one of the dudes like in the circle. Yeah, <laughs> like him and him and Dr. Dre were in the record crew together. Like they, like what is it early on when they produced when Dre produced DJ uh, JJ Fats record, he wasn't the only producer on that fucking song. It was him and Arabian Prince, at least that's the way the credits go. Like you know, and he was a part of the crew when they were doing all that N.W.A. and the Posse shit before Straight Outta Compton came out. Left him the fuck out. Like, you know what I'm saying. Like like, I just hope if a movie is is made. They don't leave people out. If they have to give certain people short, like, you know, shorter cameos, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but you know, that's just the way that goes.
0: Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I remember like um I remember first seeing the NWA movie. I like screened it back when I used to like do mostly movie reviews and like and and just like somebody in the it was like a press screening, so like somebody asked about B Barnes. And the whole room went silent. The whole room went silent when they asked about D Barnes. And like because um F. Gary Gray, the guy who directed yeah. Sri Ada Compton movie, he was operating the camera the day that um everything happened with um her and Dre when Dre oh, assaulted shit. her. Like he was there. So it's like and, and you know, and, and then like on top of that, like Dre and Ice Cube like were the executive producers of the movie. They're both alive, so you know, yeah. they probably had quite a bit of say in what they wanted and what they didn't want. It, you know, yeah. but I don't think I don't I don't, I I'd like to think that wouldn't happen with a sketch one eighty five. You know,
1: <laughs> Let's put I, it that way. Like it's like if my friends are involved, no. If it's my family, <laughs> possibly strictly because they haven't been around for a lot of it. Not because they haven't been around; it's just they weren't in the room. Right. You know? It'd be it'd be somewhat of an art house film. I know that. That's all it, good. We love an art house. Film it'd probably be quirkier than people think it is. People think it is, you know? Yeah. No, because I, I get the impression that I'm, you know, I'm, I've always been told I'm a really dark person, but also crack a massive amount of jokes. <laughs> you know, So
0: right. who knows? Right. And then, you no, and then on top of that, your family calls you chill, you know, chilly willy. Oh, you know, yeah. like, oh yeah. like, when you, when you, when you said that, like, like, like you even saying and like explaining at the show, I was just that with you. Where you were like, your name was Chill from Chilly Willy. I was like, okay, so like, is the goofball right here? You know, right. like it's it's just that, that that's that's great. I just love that was that was that's
1: the, that's that's was that's the that's first great. man. That was the first line I wrote for that record.
0: <laughs> I could tell Did the like, the way you delivered it and like the pause before it. Like that was definitely the first thing you wrote.
1: And if it, like it was either the first thing I wrote. Sometimes you know how you want a song end before you know how you want it to begin. But I just, like, my family calls me chill. <laughs> and, like, you no, know, because I put a lot of references to my family on the record that right. only my family would get, which also kind of lets lets me know when my family's heard it. Because if they heard it, they'll go, oh, I heard that. Da, da, da. Right. So shout out to my family. Ain't nobody hit me up about it.
0: <laughs> Much love to the family regardless.
1: <laughs> and I love but- to the family. But you know, I just tell them I'm doing my thing when they ask me what I've been up to.
0: Right. <laughs> sometimes that's uh, sometimes sometimes that's all you got to know. That's oh,
1: yeah, all <laughs> Without a doubt, man. Uh, yeah, so, yeah my, my family calls me chill to this day. <laughs> it's an incredible nickname. I love it. Um, oh, thank you.
0: Of course. But sketch, man. This was. I knew this is going to be great. But like, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you yeah. for your. Thank you for your unending passion and just like the details in your writing and just like the urgency with which you deliver everything you, yeah. Just like, yeah, I don't even know what else to say. I'm just a, I've been a fan for a while. Great to see you at this point. And um, happy to just happy to have you on here. I know that this has been a long time coming, so I'm really happy, really happy to finally get to chop it up with you for a little bit.
1: Uh, no doubt. Yeah. not 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 man. Thank you for your patience, man. I'm going to do my best to say up to a person in, in like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and thanks for taking the time out, man. Like you know, I, you know, there's a, a ho- always a lot of stuff going on up here, so I just always hope that it makes sense when I have to say yeah. it to people. So so I appreciate you giving me the time cuz you didn't have to.
0: No, nah, man, it's connecting. Don't worry. Like I'm 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 I'm, I'm feeling it right here. So.
1: <laughs>
0: right, no thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time.
1: One.